Live with Rachel and Kate, Spiritual Speak. Hi everyone and welcome to our show today, Rachel and Kate, Spiritual Speak. Um, Today we're going to be talking about something that affects us all at one point or another in our lives. And that's losing someone, how we cope with grief. And it's something that is very pertinent at the moment because the lovely Kate is going through this very thing herself. So, Kate, we're all sending you love and healing. And at this difficult time, it's hard to know how to feel. Um, It's very difficult for us left behind, for us to wonder what's happened to our loved one how should we be feeling you know and then there are other situations that cause us grief in life as well so we can grieve for many different reasons there are many instances where we grieve for the end of a relationship or you know a miscarriage someone's serious illness that they will recover from but how do we cope with the loss of our life being normal in the meantime you know, even after big world events, we can all feel, especially us empaths, a great sense of grief. So, to really be there for someone who is grieving for whatever reason, we have to acknowledge that everyone processes grief in their own way. So, would you agree with that, Kate? Oh, absolutely, Rachel, absolutely. You know, what we've just been through this experience with my father-in-law passing away, Fred's stepdad, um, who actually introduced my husband and I, and I worked for him for several years, and and uh, it was the best job I ever had. He became my best friend for many years. He was actually the beneficiary of my life insurance <laughs> for several years, and our deal was that if I died, that he was going to take Jesse to uh, Disney World on my life insurance, and then she would get the rest of it. So, you know, we <laughs> talked about these things, about passing. and um, But he passed a couple weeks ago, and we had the funeral last week, and it's just been, um, you know, challenging. You know, you and I speak with the, the spiritual world. We talk with deceased loved ones. We talk with our angels and our guides. And so many times, you know, people think that, that we don't feel grief, or that sense of loss the way everyone else does, but, you know, we're human too, and this has been very hard. You know, the, the human body has to grieve, and we, when we don't let it grieve, it can become, it can morph into even a physical ailment. You know, when we suppress the pain of a situation, it's not a good thing for the human body. So if you are experiencing grief in some way, like Rachel said, whether it's the loss of a loved one or a relationship or moving jobs, whatever, whatever you may be feeling grief about, I really want to encourage you to take that time for yourself to just grieve. You don't have to wallow in it for months and months because, you know, we can do that too, but just allow yourself to feel the pain so you can process through it instead of suppressing it. Yeah, I agree with that. Absolutely. You know, there, there is no right or wrong way to grieve. And it's very difficult for people to, to know how to feel amongst others as well because I know that when I lost my brother when I was 19... People were patient for a very short time, but some people were kind of like, well, aren't you over that yet? Mm. You know, it's almost like some people feel there's some kind of time limit on you feeling sad, and that's not okay. You know, each of us is different. And I remember people actually crossing the street to avoid me when, you know, because they didn't know what to say. Their discomfort at not knowing how to find any words made them panic and, you know, just try to avoid me rather than just say, you know what, 
I, I don't know what to say to you because I really have no words, but, you know, I feel for you. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry that this has happened to you. That's all that you need to say. So, you know, for some, some of our listeners that might be thinking, oh, I never know what to say to someone when they're grieving, just tell them that. Just tell them that I, I feel for you. I really have no words to make you feel any better. And that's all you need, you know. As, as someone mm-hmm. going through grief, I know that at the time when I was grieving, I just needed someone to say, do you know what, I'm thinking of you. And that's mm-hmm. all. Because to see someone avoid you when you're grieving is, is painful. That just adds to the trauma. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's important that we acknowledge what we're going through and that others also acknowledge what we're going through, even if they don't know how to express it. Even if you risk saying something really clumsy and maybe even inappropriate, that's better than saying nothing at all and just hiding. Mm. Absolutely. You know, and like I was saying earlier, you know, that there are so many different things we could be grieving. Um, you know, it's like some people don't take the loss of a, an animal seriously. You know, when, when you lose mm-hmm. a pet, an animal friend, that is devastating. As you and I both know, Kate, because we've both been through it. Mm-hmm. It can be devastating to us, but someone else might not have, have the same opinion about animals as they do humans. They might not think that it's something we should grieve over. Some people mm-hmm. are like, oh, it's only a cat. Oh, red rag to a bull. I was like, no, it's not a cat. <laughs> you know, so it's it's really important to just show compassion. That's it. Mm-hmm. Just show compassion when someone around you is going through grief. You can ask them how they are. They might not want to feel like replying or they might say, well, how do you think I feel? Um, but one thing I find really helpful is when someone says, is there anything practical I can do for you whilst you feel how you feel? You know, can I can I pick your kids up from school? You know, do you need me to go and do some grocery shopping for you? Mm-hmm. Let me know something I can do that will just take the pressure off for you. Let me know, and I'm happy to do it for you. That is really, really helpful. You know, I mean, we often see in movies, I don't know if it still happens in real life, but... In movies, you'll often see when someone's grieving or they're about to hold a weight, it's like 3,000 people turn up with, you know, casseroles and stews or <laughs> plates of food. Um, that's not always helpful because if everyone does that one thing, although it says, I'm thinking of you, you then have the stress of wondering what you're going to do with all this stuff and uh, can we, you know, when have I got to bring this pan back to somebody? My mother-in-law just went through that very thing, that very yeah. thing. Then she she got so upset with people bringing food, which, you know, they were just trying to help, but it sent her into a real tizzy that made it very uncomfortable for everyone else around her. <laughs> and And that was her way yeah. of venting through the grief that she was experiencing, too. This is it, you know, it can be like um, you you can tolerate everything that's happening to a point and then something that seemingly is of no importance, you know, like someone bringing food can be the straw that breaks the camel's back and then you just flip. So asking someone what you can do in a practical way, that's really thoughtful and that's something that I know that I'm grateful for. When someone does that, you know, it's just, what can I do for you? How can I help you? It's, it makes all the difference. You know, I mean, I don't have children, but I would imagine that if you've got kids and you're going through a loss and you've got still got that day-to-day practicality, especially if the children are small, <clears throat> to just try and get on as normal is impossible. So mm-hmm. if there's someone to help share that, you know, the necessities, the, you know, the minutiae of day-to-day life when your world has just stopped spinning, that's something that can be incredibly, incredibly soothing to have someone just be there and help. Mm-hmm. You know, something else, it's something that we've touched on briefly, but I, I really want to emphasize this. 
that everyone deals with grief in their own way. Mm. And, you know, we are a, a human society of people who judge. We judge everything. And, you know, we, n- not because we're, we're consciously going, okay, I'm going to judge this person today. We don't think that. But it's just something we do. And when someone is grieving the loss of whatever, try not to judge them. And when you catch yourself judging them, you know, it, it's, it's a time for us to just honor what they're feeling. And, you know, so many of us have had someone that we've loved who have, has died. And when that happens, sometimes people kind of lose it. And I've come to understand that and just be aware of it. And I don't want to say expecting it, but, you know, not to be freaking out when it happens that, you know, some people kind of lose their minds. They don't think the way they normally would. They don't do things the way they normally would. They don't think of others. You know, they're just dealing with their grief. And I know even my my husband did that when his Aunt Nancy died. Um, He kind of lost it, and he did something that hurt me a lot. And I spoke with my grandmother about it, and she explained that to me, that when people we love pass away, when their physical body dies, we have a hard time coping and we just don't think the way we normally would. And she asked me to just let it be for the time being that my husband would get his act together and he would be fine and he wasn't trying to hurt me, he was just trying to cope. And I was very hurt. And I I, I remember talking to Jack, my father-in-law, about this, and, and he told me that my grandmother was a very wise woman, that she understood and hopefully I would be able to do the same and and I did I was able to just allow him to grieve in the way he needed to grieve and he was very sorry for what he had done that hurt me um, once he finally got got through that initial pain but um, just honor that someone else is experiencing something so painful that they can't even think and just, uh, you know, like Rachel said, do what you can for them. But at the same point, you know, nothing you say, nothing you really do is going to make it any better. But perhaps you can just kind of soften the blow. And m- my mother-in-law kept asking for prayers. And prayers are so powerful. You know, sometimes we, we don't, we just don't grasp how powerful sending that love through prayer for someone really is. And we feel that, you know, when someone's praying for us and supporting us with love, it changes everything. It it really helps to support us to move through whatever it is that we're experiencing and to get to that place where we can actually breathe and function again in what used to be our normal way of being. What do you think about that, Rachel? I absolutely agree. I really do. Um, I mean, people. I mean, because I worked as a medium for 24 years, I've sat with a lot of people that have lost somebody, and everyone handles it differently. And I've heard some horrendous tales of how, you know, families have turned on each other and over really silly things. You know, like wording on a headstone, or you know, who's who's entitled to the teapot. It's just certain people will lose their minds completely when the subject of grief happens. And you're right, we have to try not to judge because I've seen little disagreements turn into full-on family feuds that never get resolved. Mm-hmm. You know, literally will, in the throes of grief, say and do things that they just can't take back. And it's so important that, you know, we try to witness our grief in a way. Almost like we at times we just take a step back and say, okay, well, I'm, I can recognize I'm not being rational here. I know that I'm just, I'm in pain, you know, and I'm, I might mm-hmm. be lashing out. And to be able to witness that and, and take that step back and acknowledge that that's what we're doing, 
that can actually help us to get through and move through the process rather than get stuck in it and then the ensuing feud that results sometimes. Um, I've heard so many stories of people just saying things that they really didn't mean afterwards. You know, once that they felt differently again, they wished they could take things back. So it's really important that, you know, if we know that we're lashing out, we need to carve out some time to just be away from people maybe. Mm -hmm. Or if we know that a certain person is likely to be acting in a certain way because they're known to lash out when they get, you know, challenging situations, maybe we don't press their button in the meantime, you know? Because mm -hmm. even busted people can really flip out when they lose somebody. And that's okay. But they need to acknowledge that that's what they're doing and just get through that part of the grief process, that really angry part, the raw part, in the best way they know how. And if they need to say to people, look, I'm not coping well, then that's what they need to do, you know, to mm -hmm. acknowledge that, to expect themselves to be some tower of strength that's carrying everybody else. I mean, I, I tried that when my brother passed away. I tried to be the strong one. And after about six months, I cracked. Because no one can do that. You know, mm -hmm. it's impossible. Because you can't carry your own grief and everybody else's. It never works. Right. So it's important that you do make time. I mean, it might sound crazy, but... What I found really helpful when I lost my dad was because I couldn't be, I couldn't cry and be, um, you know, visibly emotional all day, every day, because one of the things that happened as a result of dad's passing was he was about to open a business, which was a shop, a store. And when he passed, he, he took all the plans and everything with him because they're all in his brain. And mm. I then had step in and get that business ready to open along with my husband and so we couldn't just stop we had to keep going because our family needed an income and I had to somehow and I don't know how I did it and I wouldn't recommend it to anybody as a good thing to do but I managed to get through each day being the face of that business but I think the only reason I managed to do that was because every night, without fail, I would go off on my own and if I needed to scream into a pillow or punch the bed or go and sit, we had a beautiful pond at the house we were living in, and go and sit by the side of the pond and really ugly cry, like I'm talking snot bubbles and, you know, like really bright red face. <laughs> If I needed to do that for as long as I needed to do that, then that's what I did. Because there needs to be an outlet. There has to be some kind of vent for that anger, that pain, that rawness. You can't push that stuff down. I promise you, you cannot push that stuff down. Whether it's weeks or years or decades down the line, that stuff will pop out eventually. You can't push lava back into a volcano. You will absolutely have some kind of meltdown or a pattern of behavior will come that's very destructive. And that could not just be for you, but for the people around you. So mm -hmm. you've got to find an outlet. Whatever your thing is, whatever makes you feel like you're venting, whether it's physical activity like kickboxing or running or something that helps you release some of that outrage and anger that, that this loss is having on you, then that really is helpful. I found that absolutely kept me sane after my dad passed because I, you know, I mean, a lot of us, we, we can have a little bit of time off of work, but employers don't let you have months on end off, even though you that's what you want and that's how you feel. When you've lost someone close to you, you can't usually have a lot of time off of work. So how do you then cope? How do you go back to work and even attempt 
to appear normal when you know you're looking at the world around you as if it's happening in another dimension you know everyone's going about their business as usual and nothing is as usual for you when you've just lost someone you know it's like you're in your own bubble and you're seeing everything else from a different perspective so that's where this outlet has to be a non-negotiable because if you've got to get through a day at work when it's the last place on earth you want to be, you've got to then find an outlet in your free time that will help you to... I'm not saying it's a magic button that you press and all of a sudden everything's Disney happy. No, that's not going to happen. But it helps you move through this like a process. Mm-hmm. You know, I think lots of people get stuck in grief, and I'm sure you must have too, Kate, you know, where they are literally so stuck in the angry raw stage, they can't see a way out of that. Mm-hmm. because they're constantly looking at that space where the loved one used to be. They're not mm-hmm. looking at the rest of their life at all. They're not even acknowledging that that's something that they should be enjoying because, you know, guilt is another thing that comes sometimes with grief. Um, For me losing my brother and being the sibling that's still here but you know and some people listening might actually know what I'm talking about here if they've been through the same thing part of you feels a bit guilty for still being here when they're not mm-hmm. on some well, level you, you do enough yeah exactly you know you think well why wasn't it me um, and so that's an add into the mix and contend with as well which is awful you know, to have that feeling. But it's all part of the process. It's all natural. And for a long, long time, I know um, me and um, especially my mum, we we found a great deal of comfort in going to visit the graveside, you know, just to sit. I mean, I remember sitting cross-legged on the grass next to Simon Stone and, you know, we would talk about him and we would share stories and... You know, and we would laugh because he was a really hilarious, wonderful, joyous human being. And we would. We'd we'd share the stories and we'd cry and we would, you know, talk about him because that's really helpful to remember the good things, you Mm -hmm. know, to not dwell on the absence, but to remind ourselves of his life, you know, and celebrate that life. To mm-hmm. you know, to, to not be afraid to laugh because it is okay. I mean, at my dad's wake, we <laughs> we ended up having you know there was lots of laughter because we were telling you know we were recalling funny things my dad had said and done and stories and that brought everyone a lot of comfort. You know, we're not in the Victorian era anymore. You know, <laughs> we are allowed to to actually celebrate life when someone has passed. And the best way to do that is to think about all the joy they brought us. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Looking at right, that so let's take a, a just, let's take a really quick break here with a little um, just a little quick break, and then I I'd, I'd really like to share with everyone something that you shared with me that really helped me a lot. So let's mm-hmm. just take a very quick break. Are you struggling to live a happier life? Do you need more tools to help you transcend physical world challenges? The Game of Life Mastery Program provides a surplus of mastery tools, more tools than you'll ever need to support you and guide you to live from your heart space and be happier. And it's available as both a self-study and a live version. Go to soulkisses.com to learn more. Live with Rachel and Kate, Spiritual Speak. So, Rachel, sorry to interrupt you there. The one thing that I, that helped me so much was, you know, after my grandmother died, I kept thinking if we had done something different, if we'd have brought her home with us, maybe she'd still be with us. 
and, you know, carrying that guilt that maybe there was something more that we could have done. But, Rachel, you told me something that really resonated with me, and, you know, my guides and angels have wholeheartedly backed that up about how when when our the day we're going to pass is the day we're going to pass. Can you share more about that? Yeah, this is something that um, it gave me a little comfort too. When sometime after my brother passed away, my guides explained to me, you know, there is nothing we can do to change the day we leave this planet. We, the, This is just what I believe based on what I've been shown. Other people might have a different take on it, but... All heaven and earth is moved when it's not your time. And that I do have proof of twice, at least in my own lifetime that I know of, where there was what I can only call miraculous intervention that does not have any basis in the laws of physics. And I shouldn't be here. And yet I am, because obviously I still had work to do. Likewise, if it's your time to go, Nothing will stop it, nothing at all. You know, if someone's had a tremendously long illness and they get better, but their time to go is their time to go. You know, they might go in a car accident or, you know, have a fall down the stairs or whatever. The means of leaving the planet is often, from our eternal self's point of view, back in spirit where we reside between lives, we view our means of exit in quite a detached manner. So if we were to write into our life blueprint that our exit is going to be via a really long illness, we're not sitting there saying, oh, I'm not going to do that because why would I do that to myself? We do it in a detached manner because we want to know what it is to walk a mile in those shoes. We want to know as eternal beings what it is to experience that method of leaving the planet. And transitioning back to our eternal selves so however we pass we see that as just a means to an end as a way just to go back to our eternal selves when our life lessons have been completed and I had a lot of questions about that because my brother was born with um, severe brain injury which um, caused brain damage at birth Um, He had severe epilepsy, he had cerebellar ataxia, which affects your uh, motor skills and your balance. So he had about as many challenges as a kid could have, heaped upon him from day one. And I was initially saying, well, why on earth would anyone choose that for themselves? Why would someone choose such challenge such difficulty and then you know passed so young he was 16 and the simple answer was because he's lived all the lives where the easy stuff had happened he's done the easy parts he's experienced the easy experiences so this is a highly evolved being because to choose that level of challenge to just know what it is to walk a mile in those shoes and to learn from it by experiencing it he's been here so many times before that he chose that willingly just to know what it was to experience and then to use that experience to help other people I've been told by my guides that my brother now helps others in spirit who have transitioned and need help in understanding and processing what they've been through so they can remember that eternal plan that this is what they chose for themselves so, of course, with any job, you're going to need some serious experience in what you're doing, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. exactly why he chose that life. It took me a while to get my head around that concept. But, again, it brings me comfort to to realize that just the challenges in my own life, I've, I've written these in. I've chosen them. And if I pop off in my sleep, which is the ideal way to go, right, or mm-hmm. if I go through a horrifically long illness, that's painful, that takes me out, I'm okay with that because I know that I'm going to learn from having been through it and I'm going to be able to put that to good use 
when I'm back to my eternal self again, and that we cannot really ever die. Our consciousness is traveling in a vehicle. And you might have heard, if people listening regularly, you've probably heard me refer to our bodies as the meat suit, because that's all it is. It's just something that houses our consciousness. So every single person on this planet, when they get back to their eternal self after they've passed on, they'll remember exactly why they've experienced what they've experienced whilst they were alive, including the method of leaving. And that includes even the most gruesome ways to go. And we are always met by someone that's waiting for us on the other side to escort us across. Always. Occasionally people get stuck because they don't realise that they've passed or they're not seeing clearly. You know, like when we get in a panic, we can not really appreciate what's going on around us, can we? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's when people like you and I step in to help escort people across so that they can see their loved ones again, so that they can detach from that moment of earthbound panic and travel across to the other side. So for me, anyway, it really helped me to know that if it's our time, it's our time. And that usually we have chosen the method of exit. Yeah, that that really helped me a lot when you when you shared that with me about my grandmother and you know and, and feeling as you were speaking that first time and feeling that knowing within that that was true that that that's the way it is you know that I'm so in alignment with that. <clears throat> you know when my dad crossed over in 2005, he I had not seen him physically for 12 years. But I talked to him on the phone all the time. And when he, when he died, that very next morning, well, that night, his spirit came in, and I thought geez, the dog stood up and started growling at the door, and I knew he was there, but I thought, oh, my gosh, if I see him, it's going to so freak me out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that I, I didn't see him, but I could feel his energy. And the next morning, he just he started talking to me, and it was like he never laughed. I just wasn't using the telephone anymore. I was talking to him directly. And so when we wrote the book, The Waiting in the Other Room, in 2009, we were almost finished with the book, and he would just come, you know, in and sit at the sit in my office with me, and we would we would work on the book. And and then um, when I went to meet with him one day, he was on a cloud, and I was like, Why are we on a cloud? And he said, you have to understand that my physical body really died. And he said, you haven't grieved yet. And I, I realized as he said that, that that was true. I hadn't really grieved yet. So I had to process through that grief and that understanding, that full understanding in my human body that his physical body wasn't here anymore before we could move forward. You know, that's something that Rachel and I spoke about earlier is not suppressing that grief that we feel, whether it's, you know, it, 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 could be, it could be anything that happens in your life. It doesn't have to be the death of a loved one. It could be, you know, the change, uh, change of family living arrangements. You know, maybe your children have gone off to college or, or someone has moved out or you've, uh, you've been released from a job or you're moving. You know, there's so many things that happen in our human lives that cause our human bodies to feel sad and grief. And be acknowledging that is so very important so that your human body can process through that energy of pain and sadness. Because when we don't, when we suppress it, when we just keep pushing it down, those emotions and that, it, it's, it's more than emotions. It's real energy. If we could see, if we could see energy with our human eyes, we would be much more careful with how we deal with it. It's just, I, I was just being reminded of that, that saying, sticks and stones uh, can break my bones, but names can never hurt me. And that's not true. You know, words are energy. Our emotions are energy. And when 
we experience something that causes sadness or uncomfortable energy in our body, we feel that from some experience, something said to us, or something that's happened, it's very important that we process through that instead of suppressing it. And Rachel gave us several ways earlier to find ways of coping, whether that's you know screaming into a pillow or sitting out in nature and and crying and until all those emotions are spent. It's so important that we honor that, not only with ourselves, but allowing others to have that time to process through their grief as well. Yeah. Rachel, do you have some other tips that you'd like to share with us? What? Yeah, and this is just based on, you know, my own sort of um, journeys through grief um, that I've had. You know, sometimes it's really common to grieve for, you know, a really long time after a major loss of someone or something. So it's important that you give yourself permission. And if you feel like you need support from people or health professionals to help you with that, don't hesitate in seeking that out. You know, a lot of times, I, I don't know if it's the same um, in other countries, but here, you know, the, the old, you know, stiff upper lip British don't show your emotion thing. Um, some people really don't want to be seen grieving. Some people mm-hmm. want to be business as usual and, no, I'm fine. That's not going to work. So if you don't feel comfortable with, you know, public displays of emotion, there are other ways you can honor your loved one and grieve differently. So know first and foremost that acceptance is the first step. You know, refusing to accept someone is gone just prolongs your agony. And it's really important to find a way to say goodbye that suits you whether or not you feel able to attend the funeral, you know, funerals can be really uncomfortable. And it's really important that if you can get there and you feel comfortable with attending the funeral, if you feel brave enough, you might want to say a few words to express how you feel about them, maybe to talk about their life and maybe how they've impacted the lives of others. But if you don't feel comfortable doing that, and, you know, the emotion can overtake things. I mean, at my dad's funeral, I wrote um, a piece for my dad, but I knew that I couldn't get up and speak because I would just not be able to, to physically say the words without breaking down. So I asked the um, the person taking the service to read it out for me. So that's an option, you know, you can say how you feel and give that beautiful tribute, but you don't actually have to be the mouthpiece for that and put that stress upon yourself. If you really feel you can't attend the funeral, or if, you know, geographical or work constraints mean that you can't attend the funeral, you can write something and ask a member of the family to read it for you instead, or you could just write something for you that you're just getting those words out of you onto paper or onto a computer and you're just leaving a tribute so there are lots of websites now where you can leave memorials for people I mean my own website actually began as a one page memorial tribute to my brother in the 1990s I just felt like I needed to put something up there about his life you know Mm-hmm. And now it's a 200-page beast about everything I've learned through my journey since. Um, so, you know, you can find lots of different ways. You can talk to them. You can just talk out loud, you know, maybe not in a public place, but you can talk to them in your head. You can talk to their picture. You know, people like to make little shrines at home with pictures sometimes. That's good as well, you know. You can... Do whatever you feel you need to do in order to give your loved one that send-off in your mind that's appropriate for them. You know, it's 
is something else that I know from all the years I did work as a medium. I received countless messages from people in spirit that confirmed that our loved ones hear us. However you speak with them, it is like a prayer. It really is. It always reaches its intended destination. So, I mean, for me particularly, you know, I'm, I'm not a traditionally religious person, as in, you know, going to church and stuff like that. But I do believe in the power of prayer because it's basically asking for the highest good, the greatest intent for someone else. If you send words of prayer out for for someone or an event or, you know, for someone who's passed, that's a beautiful thing. So I always say don't be afraid to, to pray or to send thoughts or just to speak to someone in your head. That's fine. Absolutely fine because I promise you they will hear you. That's something I've seen proof of time and time again. Um, the other thing about grieving, you know, once another message that comes through loud and clear, especially after some time has passed since a loved one, you know, has passed over, that you always want, and that, you know, to sum it up in a phrase, it's please don't feel guilty or sad for me. I'm fine. You will honour me best by living your life to the full. Your loved one won't thank you for putting your life on hold forever in their name. You know, it's natural to feel a bit guilty for trying to move on after time has passed. But it's not valid guilt. You know, living your life to the full is what your loved ones expect of you after a while. They want to see you happy. They want to see you living and loving and doing all of the things that you know that they would be happy to see you doing if they were still here. So we have to get past the prolonged, heavy grieving 24-7 eventually because mentally you won't stay well. If you keep yourself in that place, you won't stay well. And it's a horrible fact that people do lose sympathy if you grieve openly for really long periods of time. And sometimes you need to say, okay, well, do I need this person in my life <laughs> if they're not mm-hmm. sympathetic, you know? Um, but it's really important that you honour that raw process, that that really angry early stage, but that you don't keep yourself there because I promise you, your loved ones do not want to see you not living because they're not here. I've I've had many messages from Spirit where they... They want to convey to someone who's still here, you know, it's okay for you to live your life. You can do that now. It's usually after a year or so, you know. I mean, I know that when we lost my brother, it it took a really, really long time to get past that raw stage, and that's okay too. Um, It's really important as well to reach out to your friends and family. So they might not understand the depth of what you're going through, but they can and they will offer useful support. And seek out people. If you know you're struggling, seek out people that have got experience dealing with grief, such as hospice staff, bereavement support groups. You know, talking to a bereavement counsellor does help a lot of people, especially if you can't bear to speak to anyone else around you who is also grieving for fear of upsetting them. Mm-hmm. So counsellors are professionally trained to help you and they will always listen to you even when you feel like no one else will. A lot of my work now is of this nature. Yeah. Well, let's take another very short break here and Rachel and I will be right back. Do you need spiritual help? If you want to be stronger, confident, happier, fearless and a lot more able to roll with what life brings to you, Work with me to learn how. I can teach you one-to-one or via distance learning how to control and enhance your natural clairvoyance and healing abilities with over 25 years of my own experience. Begin to transform your life right now with some down-to-earth help, interesting articles and tips at rachelkeen.net. Live with Rachel and Kate, Spiritual Speak. 
So Rachel and I have been sharing our own experiences with losing a loved one's physical presence to death of the physical body. And we've been sharing our tools, we've been sharing our experiences, and, you know, and and Rachel's also been sharing how our loved ones want us to be happy after they're gone physically, but their spirit is still here. It, you know, they don't really go anywhere. They're they're still here. They hear us. They see what's going on in our lives. They they're here to support us. Um, you know, this was um, this Monday was my husband's birthday, and he did not want to celebrate because we just buried Jack last week. So we're going to celebrate later. And that's okay. Yeah, it really is okay. You know, it's sometimes you can't bear the thought of doing that normal thing when you just lost somebody. You know, it just it just seems unthinkable that you could celebrate anything. But it's important that, like you're doing, Kate, you know, you, you're just postponing it so that it's still going to happen. It's just not right now. You know, and it's another thing as well that I don't know how you feel about this, Kate, but taking care of your health is probably the last thing people feel like doing when they've just lost somebody, but it can make coping more bearable if you're physically well. You know, so I know that you're taking good care of yourself at the moment, and, you know, if you see someone around you that's really struggling and they can't deal with just the day-to-day stuff like getting out of bed and showering and eating... It's important that you, you know, you try to do what you can to help someone just to take care of themselves on a physical level, just to make sure that they're okay in the meantime. So, I was talking earlier about, you know, ways to cope. So, if you can't bear the thought of speaking face-to-face with a stranger like a counsellor, you could try joining an online support group, which I found really useful. You know, and that was a few, probably a good two or three years after my brother had passed because um, we didn't have the internet in the early 90s. Um, but I found it really useful to talk to people that have been through the same thing. You know, to have, to know that I could log on and I could speak with people, you know, have those moments where you say, oh, well, it's not just me then. Okay, I feel sane again now because you do have some very peculiar thought processes when you're going through grief. You really can. Um, and remembering the happy times. Do you know what? That's that's some of the best therapy. And there was something I did which, um, and I, I don't know why it came to me to do it, but just after my brother passed away, I wrote down as many things as I could about all the little things that he did day to day that were quirky, funny, that would make us laugh. You know, just things like the way he drank a cup of tea and would slurp it. Or (laughs) the way that he'd sing along to certain TV themes, you know, stuff like that. And it was just tiny things. But, oh, I came across the list very recently, like a couple of weeks ago, whilst I was looking for something else. So it kind of caught me by surprise. But, oh, my God, I just sat there in happy tears, laughing my head Mm -hmm. off for about 20 minutes, just looking through this list of stuff that, just encompassed everything, you know, wonderful about my brother. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's lots of little ways that we can honour our loved ones that that aren't sad, you know? Yeah, on um, on Thursday after, <clears throat> after Jack's funeral, we had everyone over to our house, and um, at the end of the day, one of the things that Jack used to always tease everybody out about was having a shot of tequila. <laughs> and I don't do that. No one, and many of yeah. us didn't. But in honor of Jack, we all had a little shot of either tequila or whiskey in his name. And, of course, those of us who don't normally partake of that all, you know, did the ah, gag stuff. <laughs> but everybody laughed and, and remembered him with beautiful stories and laughter, which is exactly what he would have wanted. So it brought everyone yeah. great comfort 
to do that and to share that time together. And it became a beautiful ending to the day. Yeah, it's it's honoring those moments instead of dwelling on the actual death itself that means everything. You know, physical death is just a transition for all of us to pass through. No matter how difficult or tragic the death, it's fleeting. It's a moment in comparison to the eternity we have and the numerous lifetimes that we're all going to live. So physical mm-hmm. death is not dwelt upon by the loved one who's went th- who went through it based on what I've been shown. It's just a means to an end. So by dwelling on the manner of the passing as well, that's something that is that they don't want us to do that. They don't want us to do that one bit, you know. Um, something I wanted to mention as well is like keeping um, belongings that remind you of your loved one. You know, don't hoard everything they ever owned, but it's really good to keep one or two bits and pieces that have special meaning, you know, um, one or two of their personal items that you're allowed to have. That that really helps a lot, especially for because some people can't express their feelings until quite a long time after a loss has occurred. Quite often people feel numb or they can't cry. And then they start to feel guilty that they can't cry. Um, it doesn't matter when the grieving process starts. But having some kind of, you know, like little celebration around the time of their birthday or having an annual memorial... You know, make it a fun and happy time of remembrance. It gives you something positive and constructive to do to commemorate and celebrate the life of your loved one. You know, you could combine it with a donation or an event in your loved one's name for a charity they supported or, you know, for me, I I donate a portion of my Reiki healing treatments to the National Society for Epilepsy here in the UK because they offer practical functional support to families of people that, you know, maybe they might be in hospital through um, something that's occurred due to their epilepsy. And, you know, and that's an organisation that can provide actual practical support to families whilst that's happening. You know, so anything you can think of that provides a positive point for you to remember your loved one, brilliant. Do it. Absolutely. Mm. And you know, it, it's so difficult to get to to not get bogged down in the what ifs or I should have guilt about words that you might have said or that you didn't say. You know, you might have argued with someone or not made it to their bedside, but they will never hold it against you in spirit. No such thing as resentment or anger once the transition is made to the spirit world. There's only love and concern for your well-being, the people that are left behind that they love. So if you hold on to guilt after a bereavement, you're only harming yourself and the people around you who love you. You know, guilt is not something our loved ones want us to experience. Yeah, and everyone is where they're supposed to be when a loved one passes. You know, you hear so many times that somebody was trying to get there and didn't make it before the loved one passed or everyone's sitting there and for whatever reason they've they've gone to the bathroom or they've gone to get something to eat or you know the loved one is left by themselves for just a few seconds and that's when they go and it's all that's it's designed that way that's when they were supposed to go you weren't supposed to be sitting there or if you were sitting there with them and maybe you're the second cousin third removed or whatever jack was really into that but you weren't you know, you weren't really close to them, but you ended up being the one that was sitting there. That's the way it was supposed to be. No one is in the wrong place when a loved one transitions. Everyone is where they're supposed to be. And, you know, I know from experience with my grandmother that, well, and Fred's Aunt Nancy, too, that when they transitioned over to the spirit world, there was a great celebration of them, well, they call it coming home. So they're not yeah. alone. So never think that you, even if your loved one's human body is in a hospital room or in a in an apartment or in a car accident, that they're alone. They're 
not alone. There may not be any humans with them, but there are angels and guides and other deceased loved ones and a great celebration when they return to that spirit form. And I know you've experienced that too, Rachel, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, countless times have I seen the welcoming committee. (laughs) They've shown Mm -hmm. me that moment when it was like, woohoo, you're here, you're home. And, you know, it, it's always amazing. It's, it's, a, it's actually, when people pass, it's a little bit like a birthday when they cross over and get to the other side. Because mm-hmm. it's a big gathering. Everyone's there to greet them and to say welcome home and to help them ease through any sort of remaining energy that's quickly shrugged off, by the way, from anything they've been through before they pass. You know, the eternal spirit is, is untouched by whatever we've gone through traumatically in life. Um, oh, and even we... if even if a person is experiencing a, an agonizing death, like from cancer or some illness, I, I know when, when Grandma passed, she was visiting with her sisters and her mother who had already transitioned, and she would be sitting there with them, and they're all laughing and talking, and Grandma's physical body was still alive, but she was visiting with them and really enjoying what she was doing. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've seen a lot of evidence of that as well, really have. You know, it's um, it, it's amazing just, just what we have to go through as the ones left behind. You know, we... we we feel anger, we feel sadness, numbness, denial, guilt. And then finally we get acceptance. And, you know, we can, we can experience any or a combination of these emotions at any given time. So it's really important that we don't take any sort of angry outbursts personally. Grieving people have some heavy mood swings, you know, and we, we will experience that stuff. And our loved ones on the other side, they'll see us experiencing that. And they will have complete understanding. You know, some some people might say, oh, if your mother could see you now and things like this. So, <laughs> well, they are seeing you and they're saying, look, it's okay. You know, as long as you're not hurting anyone and it's not going on for years and years and years, they're going to totally understand that, you know, you, you're going to be experiencing some really heavy stuff emotionally whilst you get used to the fact that they're no longer here. And you never get over it. That's the thing. You never get over it. You just learn how to carry it differently. Exactly. Exactly. Well, we are almost at the top of the hour here, and Rachel and I are so grateful that you've taken the time to be with us live here, or you're listening to the recording of this program. And we will be back with you in, uh, well, let's see, November the, November the 3rd, that first Thursday of November. And we're looking forward to visiting with you again then. And if you have any questions between now and then, be sure to make record of those so you can call in and ask us or even email so that we can answer live on the radio with you. So in in closing up here, um, just know that you're even though sometimes it feels like you're so alone in your grief, you're never alone. You have this beautiful angelic A team of angels and guides and teachers and loved ones, deceased loved ones, all who hold that beautiful love for you love to help support you. you to get through your times of grief and to celebrate with you in your times of happiness. And, Rachel, is there anything else that you'd like to share with everyone before we reach the end of the hour? Yeah, it's, you know, just based on what I have heard from my dad and my brother in spirit, your loved ones are always incredibly proud of you. They are happy to see you thriving. And they want you to do well for yourself. They want you to experience as many things as you can whilst you're still here. So know that they're there cheering you on because they are. And they don't judge. You know, if you've made a mistake, that's fine. Get Dust yourself off and carry on. 
So we'll speak to you again soon, everyone. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you on Thursday, November 3rd. Bye.